we've been going through a series up until last week called Deconstruct. Deconstruct, and that's, that's a funny word for me because I did this a lot growing up. Uh, my minor, I, I've shared this with, with people, my minor was philosophy. I don't know if, you, if I've shared that from the front here before, but I share it with engineering students, and they, they ask the, the philosopher's question, why? Um, I studied philosophy in college, and so I did a lot of deconstruction, a lot of why, why, how, why, why is that that way? Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed philosophy. I really enjoyed learning and deconstructing and trying to figure out the, the tenets and the beliefs and the values that, that are behind um, what we do and why we do these, these things. And it was, it was really fun, and, and I really enjoyed it until, the, uh, I think it was the, my fall semester of my senior year. I was in a class, and uh, we were studying some German guy. There's a lot of German philosophers, and uh, I think his name was Fichte. I think, you don't, don't quote me on that. But we're talking about what, what the word I means, I, and, and another I, and then, and then that, this all-moving I, and then, and then we moved into what are, how do we know what an I is? What are words? How do we know what words mean? What, I'll say that again, we're saying with words, how do we know what words mean? And we're like, how can we trust words? And, and all of a sudden, I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> it's like using a pencil and saying, I don't trust this pencil. I'm going to write down with this pencil how much I don't trust it. You know, like, like, the egg is on my face. What am I doing here? Why am I going into all of this philosophy forever and ever? Philosophy is not the problem. Hebrews is a book of philosophy. That's what we've been talking about. It's a book of philosophy. Philosophy is not necessarily the issue or the enemy here. It's actually good. It's so valuable to know why you believe what you believe. It's so valuable to know why Jesus is more and better and different than anything else. That's important to know why. But it's just the pieces. And you can argue philosophy forever. And that's what I realized is that, you know, I had friends in my class that, that I, I, I had been uh, a Christian for a while, and I had friends in, in that class that I was trying to explain to them why Jesus is better, but I, I just kept running into more pieces. <laughs> There's more pieces that you can keep talking about, and some, at some point, you're going to have to build something. The pieces aren't enough. At some point, you're going to have to put it back together. Patrick had this amazing crescendo last week about the book of, of Hebrews in, in chapter 10, where we saw this, this completion, this amazing truth, this amazing tenet that we have that Jesus is complete. He has a sacrifice once for all. Not amazing. Once for all. Every wrong thing that I've ever done has been paid for once for all. And we can draw near, and those are tenets. Those are the pieces. But even chapter 10 ends this way. I find this fascinating. Even at this crescendo of philosophy, chapter 10 ends this way. This is, these are the last few verses, and this is the author saying, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And after you think about this amazing philosophy we've been looking at for 10 chapters, these amazing truths that Jesus is, is, a, is a new and better covenant. He's better than Moses. 
He's better than some dude named Melchizedek. (laughs) He's better than them all. Why would the author bother to say, do not throw away your confidence? Isn't that interesting? Why would he say that? Why would I throw away my confidence? Why would I be, you know, the last verse, why would I be tempted to shrink back given what I know? Given what I know, why would I be tempted to shrink back? This morning, we're going to look at the answer to not shrinking back is having faith. And we're going to reconstruct today around faith. We've deconstructed, and now it's time to put the thing back together. And talk about the most basic word that is talked about in every religion, and that's faith. What is our faith? What is faith? What does it look like to live out of faith? And what faith does is that it completes our philosophy. It's the action. It's the verb of our beliefs. It's, it's belief in movement. It's time to put this thing back together and reconstruct. This, this is going to be our key verse this morning, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. I've been given Hebrews 11. It's, it's called the, the Faith Hall of Fame chapter. And uh, I had a lot of trouble summarizing and picking which story to talk about. There's 40 verses of all these incredible, incredible heroes of the faith. And so what I decided to do is I'll actually talk about the intro. (laughs) As opposed to all the stories, I'm going to talk about the intro. But I love this definition of faith that we're going to look at here. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Faith means being assured and convinced. I love when the Bible gives us very easy definitions. You know, sometimes with someone, you know, I remember in, in college, someone asked me, what, what is faith? I didn't use the Bible. <laughs> I used my own word. Here it is. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. What, what commendation? They were commended for what? To what? <laughs> we're going to look at that this morning. Faith means being assured and convinced, and we're going to break up convinced and assured over the next few minutes. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done. How we can see beautifully the depth of our faith through your life and through all the roles and the things that you did. And thank you so much for the book of Hebrews, all the ways that you are better. And God, as we talk about faith this morning, I pray that you would use my words that you'd use the text to, to stir up faith in us, that we would not be a people who shrink back, but who have faith and preserve their souls, God. Thank you for this morning, your name. Amen. So we're actually going to talk about convinced first, um, assured of what is hoped for, but I, I notice in the text that actually the convinced thing comes out first, to be convinced, right? Um, so the next, very next verse out of Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 3, Um, says this, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the only time that we are mentioned in this chapter. It's it's an ongoing, we all are a part of this hall of fame. Isn't that nice? We are all all part of this because we have faith because we can see that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of what uh, uh, was not made out of things that are visible. I remember um, <clears throat> some of those philosophy classes that I would have 
And, uh, and then other, you know, I had all these questions, actually, I got into philosophy because I had all these questions heading into my freshman year of college. I think I numbered them there on 24, 25. And, and a lot of them uh, were philosophic in nature, but some were scientific, right? How, how, does, how does science and faith and all this kind of match up? And um, <clears throat> I remember going to my, you know, my, I, my, I went to my pastor, I asked him all these questions, and he led me to the scriptures as opposed to just giving me what he knew, which was way better. Um, he's a very smart guy. It, it, it's, he's actually okay. But the, the, the Bible's better. <clears throat> and so we, we would go to all these things, and, and I remember, like, one of those conversations with, with science and realizing and that science can't prove the immaterial. It just can't. The creation story should, like, the fact that there's matter should cause us to pause. Because honestly, it takes faith for any belief surrounding why there's this universe. It takes faith no matter what. It takes faith to say that someone made all of this, and it takes faith to say nothing made this. This is random. I am a random collection of stardust. It takes faith to say that. That there's nothing behind this. But it also takes faith to say, someone did this. One of the things I remember, uh, and actually I talked to my friend Dan about this this morning, but a book, Problem of Pain, you guys should check out The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. Um, this fan- fascinating point in, in humans' growth and in anthropological growth of, of our species is at some point we decided that the rain was someone's fault or like not getting rain was someone's fault or someone was responsible for it. And The Problem of Pain, he's like, why did, why did, we, why did humans come up with that idea? Think about it, it doesn't make any sense. Why would we be like, oh, I'm getting punished by something all they knew was stick, rock, meat, you know? It's, it's this weird thing that humans either just randomly came up with and have followed forever, or there's a purpose behind it. Someone gave us the idea that there's something else out there. Now, I could talk to my philosophy friends all day about purpose and meaning and finding purpose in life, but at the end of the day, it still takes faith. It still takes a convincing, and this convincing, I love this word, convinced doesn't just mean like, oh, you've convinced me I want pizza tonight. It's a convincing in my soul that I know something deeper than even my mind can grasp. I am convinced, I am convinced, and furthermore, uh, Hebrews 11.6, this is, this is amazing, it's after they talk about this guy named Enoch, you should look into Enoch, I don't have time to talk about Enoch today, but Enoch is, he's a wild story, um, right after he talks about Enoch, it says, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him, that must believe that he exists is the closest we get to this convinced, we must be convinced that God exists, Convinced that he exists. And this isn't just for those who don't believe in Jesus. This truth that God exists, this convinced needs to be a part of our daily life for those who say that we believe in Jesus. I remember hearing, uh, I remember hearing, that's a weird way to brag about that, it was like three months ago. I heard uh, a sermon three months ago about um, joy. 
And the guy uh, that, was, that was talking about it says, do any of you struggle with practical atheism? What he meant by that is, does God have any, any real role to play in your life? Are you practically an atheist? Does God's existence change your day? Do you acknowledge his existence on, it, on a weekly basis? That he's there? That he wrote a book? That you like that book? That you go to that book? Does his existence change that? And, and all of a sudden, now I'm getting con- convicted all over the place because I, I'm someone, and I, and I shared this earlier, I, I do ministry. Do I do ministry like God exists? Or like I need to prove on my own that he exists? Do I pray for people or just plan for them? Am I infatuated and saturated by God's word? Do I try to help others see the power of God without using his own words? Yeah. Pick up a lot of books all the time to prove that God is real except for the Bible. (laughs) Yoinks. (laughs) Oh man. I struggle with practical atheism. God exists. I must be convinced that he exists and that convincing actually lives out in action. When I think of a problem, do I stop and pray first? Not just out of some sort of rote thing where God loves me more because I pray, but because he exists, he's real, he's there. Of course I want to talk to him. If, I, if I'm convinced that he exists, it's going to change the way I live. If I'm going to share with someone, Jesus is amazing, am I going to take them to anywhere but the Bible? Convinced that God exists, we've had amazing and beautiful philosophy tossed at us. And now it's time to be convinced that he exists and the last thing I love about the, the, the verb tense is that it doesn't say that he existed. We just celebrated Easter. He exists now. He was not stuck in that tomb. <laughs> he exists, and that, sh- that should change the way that I live. Are you noticing that faith is our philosophy put in action? I'm convinced, therefore, my days change. I'm convinced. So that's the first part. And the, what, all these stories, I, I wish I could, like I said, there's all these stories that, um, that come after that are beautiful pictures of people who couldn't see God, but were still convinced he exists. Moses got the closest. He kind of saw God's back and this bush that I was on fire. Um, but a lot of his stuff he did without seeing God face to face say, do this. Abraham. Think about Abraham. This, this story talks about Abraham. Abraham was convinced, and I love this, this like little dig the author of Hebrews gives at Abraham. Uh, he was convinced that he was supposed to go and have a family in another country. And the, and the text says, and he, as good as dead. <laughs> I wonder if like Abraham later in heaven is like finally reading the Bible for the first time. He's like, what the heck? <laughs> Anyways, um, he never saw God. And, and, and at age 90, he was convinced, I'm going to pack up the whole family and go and start a family. He never saw God. Isn't that amazing? Convinced people of faith act it out. They act out their faith. 
Some of you, maybe the philosophy question is creeping back in there. Why would I follow someone I can't see? Why would I do that? Back to Hebrews 11.6. We have to look at what's been demonstrated. Without faith it is possible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and, there's an and here, when, and exi- when, when there's an and in the sentence, both things must be true. They must be true. He exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Drawing near to this God, the God who exists, has been the goal of this entire book. Seeking him, drawing near, that's been the goal of all of this philosophy. That was what, what Patrick talked about last week, Jesus um, paying the price once for all, was for access for us to, to the very throne of God, not just the room. I mentioned this a long time ago, Hebrews 4, this, this fascinating thought that we just don't just enter the throne room of God and shout at him, at his throne, way, way in the distance, we can walk right up, draw near, be in the very presence of, an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Drawing near has been the point. And the only way that we do that is that we must believe that he rewards those who seek him. We must be assured of something that we've been hoping for, that God is good. We must be assured that God is good. That's the second piece of faith. He exists, yes, but he is good as well. Our God in existence is not a vengeful, flippant, punishing God. He punished himself. He is good and he rewards those who seek him. That's our hope is that we can draw near. And all those incredible stories, right? Why did Abraham move his family? It wasn't just that he was looking for a new home. He was looking for a better one. Something that God had promised out of his good character that it was better. It was better for him and for all of us, right? We read out of Galatians 3 this morning this amazing promise and heirs of this promise that we get to be included by through Jesus. Moses, Moses, Isaac, David, Gideon, all of these people that are mentioned in Hebrews 11 all acted out of hoping for a reward from God. We didn't know that the reward was his actual presence. (laughs) It wasn't things. It's him. He is the reward. His presence, being with him, that's the reward. And at the end uh, end of chapter 11, it's amazing. It, it, the chapter ends with all of these like really gruesome tales of people who went through a lot without knowing the, the full completion of their faith. But we do. <laughs> we know what has been demonstrated. We don't have to guess at God's goodness. We've seen it. Jesus has displayed it. He displayed it on the cross dying for a crime he didn't commit, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He displayed it in the faith and love he he inspired in other people, in how he treated the marginalized, and the hope that he offers by giving us freedom through the Spirit. We've seen it, and that's, the book says we've received it. 
We know the goodness of God. We know how the story ends. Death did not win. Sin lost. And now that we see that and we know and assured that God is good, now our philosophy becomes one with our faith. Our philosophy becomes our faith. God exists and he is good and this changes the way I live my daily life. Not just that he's, that he's real, but that he's good and he wants to be with me. He likes being around me. Isn't that interesting? We don't, I don't think we like saying that. Sometimes there, there might be that fear of like, oh, I'm, I'm too bad. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the, the bookend here that we'll talk about in a couple weeks. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay, also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, since we have this faith, since we have this faith, we're in a race now. We're in a race and endurance is important. And our endurance is built off of the philosophy that we talked about enacted by faith. Our faith was founded and perfected by the God who exists and the God who is good, Jesus. He founded it. I, lo- I love the verb tenses there and, and who does it. He founded it. I didn't, I didn't found it, find it. He found it and he is perfecting. He's the one changing me. Oh man, that's my practical atheism too, right? You've heard, many of you heard me say, I treat the gospel as a loan to repay too often. Jesus spotted me salvation and now I gotta pay him back. And for me, that loan came with interest. <laughs> That's not how it is. He did it. He founded it. It is seated. And it is, and it is perfecting me. And our faith, this faith that God exists and that he is good, it teaches us to lay aside every weight. As we reconstruct our faith, we begin to get rid of the things that don't help us. <laughs> The would-be-nices, for, for those who, who understand that language, not, not what's absolute best, the would-be-nices. I could do that, I could do this, but this is what's most important. Running the race with Jesus, for a lot of us, weight, maybe burdens, shame that we carry, shame from things we've done in the past. We lay aside sin, which clings so closely. Sin so badly wants us to not believe that God exists and to believe that God isn't good. That's what sin does. Sin is, sin's not there to, it, it can't actually destroy um, your salvation and when you, after you've received Jesus. It can't destroy it, but it's there to say, this was, this was never happened, this isn't real. The freedom I've found from sin over time is not the freedom from sin that says, I have to be better, I must be better. The freedom that I found is saying, why would I do this when I know that God is good? I know that he'll forgive me, so why bother from on the front end? Because this thing is going to try to get me to believe that I'm not good enough. That he doesn't love me. That's what sin does. Lay it aside. Enact your faith that God exists and that he is good. 
the end, I really love, it says despised the shame. Jesus shamed shame. That's another way to say that. He said to our shame, you're pathetic. Your attempts to ruin my creation, not gonna work. <laughs> Your attempts to devalue them, to tell them they're less than, I'm gonna spend my blood on them, the most valuable resource in this universe. Jesus shamed shame. And now our faith, I like that it, faith is an action, but it's also a possession. It's our faith now. We have this faith that God exists and he is good. And it teaches us to continue to run, to run with endurance. You need endurance. Remember at the beginning, you, you have need of endurance. Don't lose confidence. How? By remembering the simple two truths that we've been building to. God exists and he is good. So I'm gonna keep running. I'm gonna lay aside everything that, that tells me that any, anything opposite of that. The last thing I, I, I want to point out here that's really incredible as we've been talking about our faith, and we sang this in the, in the song earlier. It's one of my favorite songs, Promises. It's our faith. Yeah, we put our faith, but it's in his faithfulness. <laughs> he is the faithful one. His goodness never ends. He continues to chase us down. That's that perfecter thing that implies that I keep being imperfect. <laughs> yet he never stops working on me. I have faith in the faithful one. So the question is for this week, what would acting out my faith look like this week? These beliefs that we've been going after, that we've been looking at, all of the amazing ways that Jesus is more and better, what would it look like for me to live like that's true? When I get that email, <laughs> what's my... What's my first response? When I get that call, that text, when I read that news story, when I think about that thing that someone said to me a long time ago, am I going to acknowledge by faith that God exists and that he is good to me? Am I going to become, like I, I mentioned earlier, infatuated and saturated with the word of God? Am I going to go there? I'm going to go somewhere else. So something that I, I find helpful that I want to give you time to do is actually, for a minute, give you silence. How often do we get silence in our lives? Give you some silence and ponder over what would it look like to live out of faith this week. So I'll give you a minute. I'll, I'll pray to, to open us up, and then I'll close, and the band will, will close us. But um, yeah, take, take some time to, to acknowledge God's existence right now. God, you exist, and you are good, and you are here in the auditorium of Hunter's Point Middle School. <laughs> You're here with us. Would you teach us about faith now? What, what would you like, what would it look like for us to live out of faith in you this week, God? God, thank you um, for your existence, for your presence. Thank you for all of the things that you proved yourself to be, all the, all the ways you proved yourself to be true. All the things we can see and believe, God, would you help us by faith to enact and to, in a way, to, to reteach ourselves through those actions, your goodness and your existence, that we live it out. I think of um, earlier in Hebrews, God, thank you that, that this is true, that we can, with confidence, draw near to your throne, and that that throne is named grace. 
that we can receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need, which is really always. (laughs) You are so good to us that you allow us to approach all the time. God, would you teach us continually more and more about our faith and the faith that you won through your faithfulness. We love you, God. In your name, amen.